Welcome to Haniel's All About Enkelfeg podcast, where Scott and I explore the essence of the philosophy of Enkelfeg and its positive impact on the economy of our businesses and the lives of the people working in them. In today's episode, we ask the CEO of Haniel, Thomas Schmidt, why Enkelfeg is so important for Haniel moving forward. Engelfähig is very tightly connected to the Haniel brand, but although the initiative was started at Haniel, that connection wasn't always at the center of their values. Thomas is very reflective and soft-spoken, but doesn't shy away from strong statements and leaves no doubt about the length he's willing to go to implement Engelfähig values throughout Haniel and its portfolio companies. Thomas, Thomas Schmidt, um, now for five years at uh, Haniel, the last two and a half years in the um, CEO role and the 20 years prior to joining Haniel, I've been actually doing something totally different, working for US-based um, companies, publicly listed companies, so the total opposite to working for a family-owned uh, company and I truly enjoy being here um, as a person um, 50 years old, um, got a daughter, uh, 18, no, turned 19 a couple of days ago, and uh, living here in, in Düsseldorf, moved up um, for Haniel to be here. Um, originally from the south uh, of Germany, from Bavaria, and that's where I will end up uh, at one point in time again, going down back uh, back south, enjoy sports, uh, reading. Um, that's me, pretty much, in a, in a nutshell. I've never met anybody from the south of Germany who yep. didn't say exactly that. I'm, I'm here now, but I will be back in the south. Really? Uh, at yeah, some it's point, a nice yeah. place. I'm going to dive straight into maybe a little personal stuff. Uh, you mentioned on your uh, LinkedIn profile something that caught my attention. It's the first sentence or maybe the second sentence in the whole thing. But you dropped out of school when you were 16. And you mentioned in your LinkedIn profile that that's the most important decision that you ever made. Um, I'm I'm curious about that story you know why did you decide to drop out of school what brought you back into school and what did you experience while you were there that uh, that led you into uh, your thoughts of diversity and, and things like that yeah most I always say most important maybe not the the best um, decision to drop out of school at the age of 16 but most important because I realized quickly um, that was not what I wanted to do long term And when you go back, I don't know how you felt when you were 16, but um, typically you lack a little bit of uh, direction and you're not quite sure yet what do you want to do. So that helped me to understand what I did not want to do and it helped me to find uh, my way. That's why I always call it the most important decision uh, in my life. I was a very uh, rebellious at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the reason um, to dropping out. Uh, I didn't like uh, languages and... Uh, I was going to a school where I had to learn not only English, but French and Latin. Okay. Hated it. Um, so I left uh, for that reason. And I started an apprenticeship, which was very good, at a family-owned company, Playmobil. You know Playmobil, oh, Playmobil, the tourist? Okay, yeah. It was a fantastic time. But it also showed me that that is not where I wanted to spend the rest of my life. And uh, with that, I took the opportunity to uh, go back to school and... Um, Kind of with the uh, on the on the secondary um, educational path, um, got back, um, got my degree, went to university, and started working after. So okay, did, I mean, did that experience just in total like get your focus back, or, or did you did you continuously have to find your way again? I mean, because once rebellious, 
always rebellious, sort of? Or is it, uh, was it a lifetime of experience or a lifetime of lesson that you had uh, during that time? Have you yeah, looked back yeah, since then, well, basically? Um, yes and no. There's always a bit of a rebellious streak in terms of challenging the status quo. I think um, that that is me. I'm not somebody that's very good at maintaining things. I, also, I always want to challenge things and rebuild things and moving things forward. That, <clears throat> that I think, stayed uh, with me. But no, I had found <clears throat> my direction after that in a sense of being um, very focused on, on moving ahead and getting things um, done. Uh, I, uh, when I went back to school, I did that uh, in university. I did that in a record time and within a record time did my thesis in parallel, started working while I was studying. So from that moment on, it was clear okay. that it had to be done. And, and I mean, to be fair... It was my last chance and not succeeding at university. There was not a lot I could have done yeah, okay. afterwards. Um, in preparation of this uh, interview, beyond just thinking about what could we talk about, I talked to a couple of people who uh, know you or have known you for quite a while. Yep. And I have here, first of all, like a present. That's a okay. present for me. Thank you for letting me Looking do this podcast. Yep. Uh, and I was hoping maybe... Um, I'll tell you who I talked to. Okay. Uh, and the, I talked to Al Galani, um, and yeah. I didn't talk to him. I wrote back and forth with him. And I also talked to Pete yeah. uh, Cox, who's, who I was in a group yeah. with. Uh, and I, I realized at that time he'd been working together with yeah. you or parallel to you a long time. And I wanted to see if you would open this up for me. It's ecologically packed in. It's beeswax paper. Great. And uh, maybe just tell me if this sparks any kind of... Uh, um, memory. Memory. Thank you. By the way, it wasn't easy to find. Yeah, so it's, uh, I, I hope I got the right one. I'm very curious now. We'll see. So what's the, what's the wrap? What's the paper? It's beeswax paper. Oh. So it's, uh, you can use it to, uh, to put cheese in the refrigerator. Uh, you can pack different things into it. <clears throat> wow, so it's a little uh, smart um, car. Yeah, and, and oh, the, it's a smart car, but what, what I had difficulty finding was this version of it, yeah, so this model. Um, and nobody would tell me what this would mean to you, but I was hoping maybe uh, it, would, it would spark a memory about some things that, uh, um, that got you going in the direction where you are today, because I think this had something to do with your time at, at GE Plastics, maybe? Okay. Um, there's many things that come to mind uh, with regards to car, um, so I'm not sure what the guys were we're thinking um, about. So obviously smart. Uh, we, uh, VSG Plastics, when I was there, we were the company who actually helped develop the concept of, uh, of smart. Okay. So that reminds me of the days um, at GE Plastics and, and GE, but plastics uh, specifically, very innovative uh, marketing-oriented company. And, and we, th we thought we can change the world um, as a company. And that was the spirit uh, of uh, GE and GE Plastics, uh, getting things done, um, doing some crazy stuff is still what reminds me of GE in combination with a really, really strong culture, uh, performance culture. Okay. Um, reminds me of a strong team. Um, I go back with Al um, 25 years. Um, I was um, the sales guy. Al did customer service. Um, so that's the other memory uh, okay. because we shared um, occasionally Al and me shared a car um, because I had a car as the salesperson and over the weekend Al was driving my car which is actually uh, also a nice memory when it comes to a car. 
Okay, it was also a smart car. It was not a smart. Okay, no, it was a, since I was in the UK, <laughs> I, I used to live in the UK in Manchester yeah. at the time. It was, of course, a good old Rover. Okay, Rover A20. Remember those? Yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> they uh, and they they needed to be uh, fixed a lot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> okay. Very good. Well, that was that was something like I I I feel Thank like you. I like your, it though. You're welcome. Uh, it's. Can I, I you take hope this home? That's yours. It's yes, it's yours. Great. Thank you. It's uh, uh it was uh it's it's recycled. I found it on on uh, eBay Kleinanzeigen uh, after searching for a long time. There's a lot of models with the newer version with the different yep. lights and stuff in the back. But I was looking for something that would have been around the time that uh, that you were there. So uh, I think someone told me there there used to be a car in Flissingen maybe standing outside where where the doors panels and everything we could change every once in a while. So it just sounded like a really uh, interesting yeah. time. I didn't realize that GE was uh, so heavily involved in the in the. Um, working together with Mercedes. Yeah, because the original idea, I don't know whether you remember, the smart idea was like with the watch, you could change it every day. The idea was you would change the panels uh, of the car every day and you would change the color of the car every day. I didn't know that. And that was the very first car that went into serious production with plastic panels. Okay. And it was a click-on, take-off uh, concept. Um, so you could theoretically buy, instead of a red door, a green door and just... Click, Click on. it on. I feel green Phoenix today. Day. Yes, that was the idea. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. I, I, it's, it seems like I should have known that, but I think Maybe it not. came out around the Maybe. time I was. I Maybe was just getting excited about it because I, <laughs> it used to be part of our history, or it's part of our history. Well, I mean, it's definitely part of your history, and I'm sure uh, the things that you uh, that you took from GE uh, still uh, still are with you today. You know, that's that's something that I'd like to someday, if uh, if time allows, to talk to you about what made you. Uh, who you are, because we're talking about ankle fake today, but there's I have a lot of questions. So yeah. one of the last things I took from your uh, LinkedIn profile is that uh, you've benefited from mentors over the years. Yeah? And it's something um, I have too, yeah? without having looked for it, it happens. But how important to you is having a mentor still today? Um, and uh, how important do you think it is for, let's say, young professionals uh, to make sure that they're, they're being mentored? Oh, very, yeah. uh, very important. I think you need both coaches and mentors, and I'd like to differentiate between uh, the two. Coaches for me is somebody that coaches for performance, so your, your manager, your, the leader you're working with, um, which everybody needs. Mentor and mentoring for me goes way beyond that. That's... Uh, that's feedback, input, um, discussions for life and, and about uh, life. Um, that's advice typically uh, or very often from an elderly person with more experience. I think both is extremely important. I've always had both um, in the past, but of course also today. Did you look for, for mentors or did they uh, show themselves no, I to think, you? I think especially mentors, you also, it needs to click. You need mm -hmm. to connect. It's not something you look for. I think it builds over time. And when you find the right person, of course, you, you ask whether they're willing to spend some time with you. But that, uh, that builds over time. Okay, so... I'd like to talk a bit about ankle fake now because that's why we're yeah, here. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. And so... Uh, how did ankle fate become such an important topic for you personally? And I've got a lot of like follow-up questions with this, but the the question I'm asking here is why is that important to you? But I think those are two different questions. Um, ankle fake became important to me because ankle fake 
is a word, is an expression for something that is very important to me. Mm -hmm. And I just found that Engelfake expressed it very well, and that's why I think it fits that well. I think um, more important, why is Engelfake behavior um, and Engelfake attitude important to me? And um, that has something to do with uh, my uh, CV, as you just uh, just mentioned it. You know, when I dropped out of school uh, with 16, uh, I was, in hindsight, I've been extremely uh, lucky. I've always had people uh, that not only took care of me, but I've had a lot of people around that gave me a fair chance. We just talked about yeah. uh, GE. Think about, you know, I dropped out of school. Yes, I got secondary education, but it wasn't a very good one. Um, I've been not even at a proper university, and GE allowed me uh, to get on their top leadership trainee Uh, program because a couple of people put up their hands uh, for me. So I got more than a fair uh, chance. And mm -hmm. that happened throughout my career. So what, what resonates with me strongly is the topic of fairness. Mm -hmm. and, and that is something where I want to engage. Uh, that is something where I want to give back. So when we talk about sustainability, it for me for me, it has to do with giving a fair chance to the next generation, really giving them the fair opportunity to find a, a planet, to find an environment, find uh, the foundation for a proper living like we did uh, when we were young. That is for me a fairness uh, point. The same, by the way, when we talk about diversity, especially females in leadership positions, females in leadership is nothing to do with minorities on diversity. 50% of the population are female. It's just fair that they get the chance of getting into leadership positions. So it's the topic of fairness. And ankle fake for me was just an expression that explained it a lot mm -hmm. better. The concept of ankle fake, of making sure you look at things in a fair way so it doesn't only work for you in this very moment, but you run things in a way, you do things in a way that yes, it works for you, but it also needs to work out for the next generation and the generation thereafter. So it, it summed up uh, what I was um, convinced about in a very, very nice uh, word, and that's why I'm using it, and that's why I'm sharing it, and that's why I believe it can help us accelerate uh, the transformation society really needs. Okay. The next thing that I have here is something that's been uh, that I've been trying to find out since I've gone on this journey, and I finally have you here, and I can finally ask this question. Um, you are what I consider an epicenter for this philosophy, Anko Feich. Uh, it's uh, all all the roads, all the conversations lead back to uh, uh, Thomas Schmidt uh, and Anko Feich. Um, I've heard different stories about where it comes from. We're, we're headed towards a short summary of an origin story of the word itself, because I think it's such a powerful word. We need to get the legend straight right now. Yeah, Where does this word come from? I've heard things from, it's been dormant here for years now and uh, was found in a room like a gold box or something. And I've heard uh, uh, stories that you've brought it with you. Uh, can you explain to me where this comes from? Because I can't get over how incredibly unbelievable it is that this word did not exist at some point, and it does. You know, I, I'm not a um, linguistic person, but I do understand the German language fairly well, and words mean a lot to me, uh, and, and this word means an awful lot. Where does it come from? Yeah, good question, Scott. Uh, the only thing I'm very sure about it, it's not from me, <laughs> so I, I, didn't, I didn't invent it. 
I think, uh, and that's what we've been talking about, I think it's been invented here at Haniel about 15 uh, years ago. Mm -hmm. And not sure anymore what the what caused it, um, but I thought I think they were looking for a new initiative of really when they started to set up the company differently. They were looking for the right um, wording for that, and uh, a, a team, a Haniel team, came up with that word. Um, the people close at the time, Jutta Stoller. I don't know whether you know Jutta. Mm. Uh, she's actually uh, looking after the Haniel family. Uh, the shareholders is part of the Haniel team. Um, she couldn't remember, but she was part of it at the time. And uh, they came up with the concept of ankle fake. And ever since, it lived in, in form of a magazine. There was an ankle fake magazine uh, that I got to know when I first joined the company in 2017. And the magazine was actually, from a content perspective, extremely good. But I felt totally disconnected to what we were doing as a company. Mm -hmm. So one of the first decisions, um, believe it or not, I stopped the Engelfag magazine okay. because I didn't feel it had a connection uh, to what we were doing. And when we when we prepared for the new Haniel, the way we were thinking about uh, how we wanted to run Haniel going forward, we actually didn't think of Engelfag. We talked about creating value for generations and how we would bring that to life. And only last moment we said, we have to include ankle fake because mm -hmm. it's a good word. We're not quite sure what it will be good for going forward, but let's include it. And we called it ankle fake, creating value for generations as uh, our task and, and purpose. And thank God we did it yeah. because the longer uh, we, uh, we were on our journey, it was very, very clear that ankle fake is extremely powerful because many, most people have very positive associations when they hear the yeah. word. So the longer our journey went on, and it's only been two years, it sounds like as we've been doing it for <laughs> years, but the more months we were going, the clearer it became that ankle fake needs to be at the center of everything, but it's because it's the word um, that motivates people, that activates people. And so it um, it started to be at the center of everything we do. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the things that Anders kept saying is it's it's all about the action ankle fake is such an action word and i i i, I agree and i i i'm a huge fan of the word and, and i'm i'm i think that's actually an even more interesting uh backstory than i was expecting you know i thought it was going to be a holy grail story you know everybody saw it all of a sudden um but uh, um the the connection always or more more or less always being inside of hanyo and then finding its place uh in the future I think is a, it's a worthy thing. And I, I honestly believe when I speak to people outside of Hanyol, people who just never heard of this word before, I have uh, friends all over the world. I've talked to people in South America and North America and Australia and Asia about this. Um, and uh, the one thing that everybody, uh, no matter what their relationship is to sustainability, the one thing that everybody agrees on once I explain this is it's the emotional part of it. So uh, ankle fake brings this intrinsic emotional uh, aspect to it, which is which is hard once you get it figured out to to just completely dismiss. So, um, thank you for telling me that. And it's, by the uh, way, just jumping in because you're saying that Anders actually played a big role um, when you when you go back. You know, one thing I wanted to have, and we started on this journey. I wanted to have a group of people that are not part of Haniel uh, that give us and that give me feedback, and we called it the sounding board. So we put, uh, we asked a number of people um, whether they they were interested in joining that board, and we 
we looked for somebody that looks ahead, um, a more philosophical, future-oriented approach. We looked for somebody that could bring a perspective on diversity. We looked for somebody that could bring a perspective on impact uh, investing. And we looked for somebody that could help us about the positioning of the company Haniel. So we looked for four people that could do that and, and Anders um, being one of them. So we met for the first time with that group of people and we talked them through where we wanted to take the company. And the feedback was all well and good, uh, Thomas, but there's one thing you don't get. Ankelfag needs to be in the center of this. That was their feedback the very first time we talked about this company. Mm -hmm. And Anders and the team, they've been pushing for day one to make Ankelfag uh, the center of everything we do. I hadn't, quite honestly, I hadn't seen it until then. That's interesting. I mean, my next exact question uh, is, how did this become a philosophy? I mean, at some point, uh, it, it it got worked into as a philosophy. And the next thing is, how did uh, Andas get involved? So uh, we've got that. But I mean, did, did was it clear at that point when you got the sounding board together that you were going to turn it into a philosophy? Or did that kind of morph itself into that? Because I mean, it's a full-blown philosophy I can take into my private life and start interpreting. So... Um, was that a was that was that also an afterthought? Not afterthought, but it's been continuously developing. We always called it our purpose, so that was clear, um, and we knew that it's extremely powerful. And the more we talked about it, we knew it was powerful to activate Haniel and uh, the group of companies we we're responsible for. And the further we went, we knew we would actually have to use it beyond Haniel because it's a word uh, that can help us accelerate uh, the change we need to go through as a society to help uh, provide a planet um, that is in a, in a good condition to the next generation. So we expanded uh, the concept step by step to the point where we said, look, whether we invented it or not, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure we give ankle fake to the world. So yeah. we disconnect Haniel to some extent from the world ankle fake. We make it independent And yes, at Haniel, we want to be one of the pioneers of uh, bringing Enkelfake to life. But Enkelfake really belongs to the public because it's a way to activate. So that that conclusion, um, that happened over time and we kind of grew into it. Okay, um, perfect segue and almost like we uh, prepared this talk. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned uh, it's it's a, a philosophy or it's a, it's a word. I, I will call it a philosophy, but it's a philosophy um, that the world at large uh, has available to it now. And Haniel is pioneering that uh, uh, to a certain extent or a certain interpretation of that. And that's my next question is, can you run us through maybe or explain a little bit about the the um, plans for implementation and what the interpretation for Haniel is, because there's a big uh, um, uh, performance part in it. So if I interpret it for my private life, I'm I'm thinking less in performance and more in the fairness and more in the longevity. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, how do we tie in all of the, uh, the the interpretations to the performance part? Yeah, and and really briefly, I run through. The, the official uh, definition that is uh, that is out there because I really uh, love it uh, with regards to companies. So an ankle fake a company, we're saying ankle fake is really entrepreneurship in the 21st century. It, it is the way of running a company and a company that's ankle fake uh, isn't in it for the short-term gain. A company that's ankle fake really plays for the long run and makes sure it is successful over time and in the long run. That's the definition of an ankle fake company. And with that, it's got to be performance oriented. 
because if you're not if you're not successful and performance oriented there will not be anything to hand over to the next generation so with the long term thinking there's got to be performance orientation there's got to be a technology focus otherwise we will not be able to address and solve uh, the world's problems and it's got to make sure that company that we have both the local and global aspects in mind because we will need both we will have to think global but of course act according um, to what's needed uh, locally so that's the characteristics of an ankle fake company in order to bring the balance between the social topics uh, the uh, ecological and economical uh, topics um, at hand and at haniel we very simply call it outperforming by doing good or bring that uh, that financial success uh, through um, acting in a very sustainable way that's our simple um, definition of it and again over time uh, we really broke ankle fake down into two measurable components a financial component and a sustainability uh, component and that's the first way of operationalizing it of course so any company that is part of our portfolio any company that we're thinking about investing in needs to meet both mm-hmm. in equal terms needs to perform financially and financial success we measure in returns in financial returns and it meet, needs to meet our sustainability criteria and we developed our own rating a future worth living rating and it needs to meet those criteria and only when you meet both can you be part of the family and the other way around you part of the family don't meet the criteria you yeah. can't be part of the family anymore or the group of companies you will have to leave because we're always looking for both. Can you maybe touch on uh, the different aspects um, that that will be in focus, things like diversity and, and lean? Uh, because for me, when I'm talking to the people in your team, it, that's the first time it's become completely apparent to me where the performance uh, is going to come from. You know, I feel I feel like a lot of it is in inherent inefficiencies uh, uh, that, that most companies uh, take with them. So there's always ways of getting more performance. But... Um, do you mind taking us down like the the action plan uh, and just um, that that'll basically prelude some of the the conversations that we're going to have more in depth? Yeah. So let me let me try to again start at the as I call it the top. So we want to become that leading ankle fake and with that purpose driven investor certainly in Europe. So mm-hmm. that's um, that's our vision. That's where we want to be. Uh, and uh, again, we measure that success in terms of the uh, both the financial success as well as how we follow through on the sustainability, the future worth living rating. When you look at how do we break it down, there's three strategic components. Uh, one is the portfolio. So where do we invest uh, as a company? And we want to build a number of sustainable companies that really in their core activities care and cater for a future worth living. So that's the portfolio piece. Then we've got the leadership piece where we believe in independent companies that drive, of course, value generation within their, within their own um, four walls. And we also believe in value creation across the group, both supported by our Haniel operating way, where a lot of the tools and the methods come in and where we specifically focus on sustainability as a value driver across the group. And the third element is certainly our company culture that mm-hmm. we need to continue to develop. In order to pull that off, what we talk about, we need entrepreneurs. We need people that have fun building. So we always call it, we want to be a proud home to bold entrepreneurs and really build that 
diverse because that's the only way of getting there. Built a diverse, entrepreneurial and performance-oriented culture. So those are the elements of making um, that Engelfair company a reality. Okay, perfect. Uh, you know, we're doing this specifically uh, to help the people in or the, the employees of the business units of Hanyo understand better why ankle fake is so important. I've had my first discussion with Anders, which is more of a global, you know, what is it? Um, and Anders, in his very uh, charming way, I'm sure will have uh, the attention. Um, and then uh, we're, we're narrowing it down uh, with you to the interpretation of Hanyo and what it's going to mean uh, for most people in their day to day. And I, I think if there's any way we can um, have a it's a part or an answer to a question that I'm not quite sure how to ask it. So we're going to get there. But uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about what is this going to mean uh, in the day-to-day -day life of most people in the business units and uh, maybe what can they uh, do or expect to be doing uh, moving forward once the implementation becomes uh, apparent to them. Yeah. Um, can I take it back one? Because sure. I think we need to be a little bit more clear in terms of ankle fake and why we're doing it. And again, ankle fake <clears throat> defined as the combination of financial success and sustainability. Uh, A, I believe it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. I, I talked about that before. I believe in that fairness and providing the right environment for the next generation. But also I do believe in 10 years from now, every successful company will be sustainable. There's no other way. And if we want to be around as a company, whether it's our individual companies or we as Haniel, we better be sustainable and financially successful. That's the only way not only to survive, but that's the only way to thrive going forward. And when we look at this, there's a few things we need to do. A, we're only going to be investing in companies that are doing that. We're mm -hmm. not interested in uh, ESG and nice reporting. So yeah. the portfolio work, investing in company that at their core belief in this is critical. And that's the only companies we invest in, point. But it also means the companies that we have, how do we lead them? Each and every company needs to make sure they see it as a competitive differentiator. We do the right thing. We reduce CO2, become CO2 neutral, But that's not a differentiator. Every company will have to get there. Yeah. We need to differentiate. That's why we're doing it. And we believe that Enkelfake uh, products and running a company in an Enkelfake way is really a differentiator in the marketplace, both at Haniel and at each of our companies. And many people haven't understood that yet. Um, and that's what we need to do a better job at helping everybody understand that this is not a nice to have or doing good thing. It's a competitive necessity um, to make sure the company is around going forward. And in order to do that, mm -hmm. we need different people. Okay, I was just about to ask that question. We need different people. <laughs> that gets you to the cultural uh, yes. piece. Okay. You know, that's one thing um, that struck me when I made the change from those U.S. American companies I worked before into the, not necessarily Haniel, but the German environment, very much focused around risk avoidance, uh, overly conservative. I lack that that pioneering spirit and the entrepreneurship. Also at Haniel, this company has been around for 265 years. We yeah. kept on uh, renewing our purpose. Uh, we uh, 
innovated, how do you call it? We, we, we kept on finding a new way of doing business uh, ever so often. Evolved. I mean, we, it's, like, it's like an evolution over time. Constant yeah. evolution yeah. over time. And we needed to get there. We were too cautious. That entrepreneurship and pioneer spirit needs to get back. And that's exactly what we want to do with the cultural piece. And that's why we talk about those three elements. Portfolio. No, it can't just be companies that have a nice ESG report. It needs to be companies that at their core cater for a better future, like Kinderzimmer, that makes sure that we do early childhood education. When we have those companies part of our portfolios, don't just drive revenue, really develop products that have a positive impact uh, on the environment. And in order to do so, we need the right people that are entrepreneurs that have fun building things and are not overly concerned about conserving things, maintaining things, and managing risk. This is not where we're going. Yeah. Hence, this is so important that we get that across um, to anybody uh, that's part of our group, or more importantly, even wants to be part of our group. Yeah. I, I always, uh, um, my personal joke to myself is we need CFOs that like to go skydiving. Yeah, so it's, uh, for, for well, That's me, pretty much it. Yeah, yes. exactly. So I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. And as an American who moved to Germany and had to realize I live in a place now where everybody's just trying not to die as opposed to, you know, trying to find a way to live. Uh, it's a, it's push a different. Push the boundaries, uh, yes. Yeah, and uh, um, I think it has a lot to do with uh, lack of safety nets in certain yep. places. You know, I, I had no other choice than to, than, than to fight and be... Uh, creative and, and figure things out. So I know exactly what you're talking about, and that's why my my follow up question would have been, but 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 we but we need different types of people. So um, the Hanio Academy. But are we making progress? You you started today by saying you've met many of them. So are we getting there? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's good then. We're getting there from what I can see here. But I'm just yeah. saying we as a we as a society we in we in general, and I, I can only you know not every uh, all of the people uh, that are in the business units are from Germany, and so I can really only speak for what I see uh, in in Germany as as a typical way. There are a lot of entrepreneurs. You know, that's you know, one of the things that um, is on my mind for 22 um, yeah. because I think we've done a nice job when we look at diversity with regards to female leadership. Uh, really nice progress. We're not where we need to be, but really nice progress. 22 was the first year where we hired more female leaders than male leaders. So tick the box. When I look at um, 2022, I want to combine female leadership and international leadership because we're too German as a Haniel group of companies. And if we really want to expand our horizon and expand our thinking, We need international leadership. It's yeah. really, it's really missing. But when you're talking about international uh, um, diversity, how would that look like in an example? I mean, can you can I mean, are we talking about bringing an American CEO into a German company and mixing things up that way? Is, or it can be any of like one nationality leader to another company. That's that's yeah. Nationality is a very simple example, of course. Yeah. I mean, started the holding. We uh, we, we made the first move. Our Hanil Academy mm -hmm. that's here in Duisburg just next door is run by uh, a Welsh person. It's run by Matt. Uh, that was a very conscious uh, decision to bring somebody in from the outside. I do want to make sure when we talk about our Haniel operating way that we bring more people in from the outside. Uh, yes, we've got one uh, person from the Netherlands, uh, but we need to bring more in that expand our thinking, that mm -hmm. also understand the different requirements for the different countries. I think even more important is when we talk about portfolio. We're very limited in our portfolio view 
uh, towards uh, Europe. We're very limited in our approaches. When we go out and talk to a Baker Desley, that's a truly global company with our narrow European and sometimes even German view. So that's what it means, bringing people with a different perspective at the core of the team at yeah. all levels. And yeah. ideally, uh, the more senior, the better to have an impact. I'd like to ask just a couple kind of quick fire questions. One of the things that I read about you the first time I was checking on you. So my my three o'clock in the morning experience with Ankofei and Hanyo was I found out that Bowwatch uh, uh, was bought by Hanyo and I wasn't sure uh, who Hanyo is and what's going on. And I found Ankofei and then I found you. And then I read an article um, and for the first time I read a term that was To, together with your name, and it's uh, vulnerable leadership. Uh, that is a that's a a term that meant something almost as much to me as Ankofei does. But does that mean something to you, or is that something you identify with as a vulnerable leader? I mean, because you put yourself out there more than most CEOs would on LinkedIn, and uh, you show yourself playing the guitar. You've got uh, um, different uh, parts of your personality that you show, um, and you you seem to have a connection or the other way around the people in your team have a connection to you that's that's more than just he's the boss um vulnerable leadership is that something that 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 you identify with yeah i would never have called it um that way most probably i think being open about your strengths and development areas what you're good at and what you're not good at i think is very very important uh, when you want to be authentic and i would most probably more talk about authenticity than vulnerability. And uh, some of it might might be an overlap. But yes, authenticity is is extremely uh, important to me. Does it always mean I connect well? No, uh, that's most probably not one of my strengths. I'm, mm. I'm a very introvert person, so it does take a while until I open up. But I'm very open about what I'm good at and not good at. Okay, well, I, I, I think that can be um, quickly misinterpreted as vulnerable because most people aren't authentic. Yeah, so yeah. as soon as someone, as soon as you realize someone's being authentic, it almost feels like they're opening up to you. Yeah, because there's usually a facade there. So I can see the mistake. I appreciate that answer. One thing I've recognized in you, I think I recognize a trait, and I think I recognize a trait that you probably built up yourself. If it's a natural trait, it's uh, it's one that most people don't have, but You don't like beating around the bush, and you don't like when people beat around the bush. Do you know what I mean with that? Like uh, a straight talk seems to be yeah. something that you expect from people, and something that you uh, do yourself. Um, is that is that before before I ask my second follow up question? Is that something you would agree with that 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 you yeah, expected from I other think people? So. Yeah. And you resonate with it? Yeah, I'm not very patient, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Is that something that you developed over time? Is it part of your your time management, or is it just something that you always expected from from the people around you to just say how it is and stop putting more words in between than that need to be? I think again, it goes goes back to it's part of the character, of course. Um, maybe it's part of being uh, introvert. Typically, you uh, you use less words. You're more direct. You're more to the point. Uh, you have less overall speaking content. So if there's a group of 10 people, uh, typically as an introvert, you're not the one that has most of the the time um, filled with uh, speaking. You have one or two points, but you try to make those on point. Uh, mm. And that's what stuck with me because I perceive it as being more uh, effective, I guess, right or wrong. But yes, I'm trying to uh, to work on that. 
And also, of course, uh, since I'm working with the team, I would like to see that reflected Uh, in the conversations with the team. Okay. The the do you the, for me this is like the whole this whole experience, you know, yeah. writing you what I did over LinkedIn and then turning it into this. This is an example of going out of my comfort zone to to do something, to feel something. Yeah, but mm -hmm. do you do you do you go out of your comfort zone uh, uh, in in ways like that? Do you ever purposely put yourself into a position where you wouldn't feel comfortable just, just so you can uh, uh, grow as well? Or are you as grown as you're going to get? Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned one, uh, playing, not only playing the guitar, but going on stage, playing a guitar when I've never in my life was playing an instrument before and I really just had picked it up. So that was most probably one of the most uncomfortable moments uh, over the last few years yeah. uh, and being on on display yes um, definitely uh, i think every now and then you need to do it and it's part of of uh, development always okay. is. do you ever second guess yourself i mean do you do you before you go to bed and i think if only i had not made that decision are you always sure of yourself never you're never sure of yourself okay when are you sure of yourself When your plan comes to to an end and it was successful? No, I always question. Okay. Always. And it's not that I have sleepless nights over it, not at all, but I revisit every decision. And I'm not saying I'm going back, not at all. But I I go through pretty much everything and think about whether I've done it the right way or uh, whether I shouldn't have done it differently and better. Okay, well, I can only imagine using myself as an example it's, it's similar i don't make as profound decisions but i do uh, uh, think about my decisions it's probably a good way to make better decisions moving forward i would assume hopefully is, we'll is, find it, out. is this something you 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 developed over time or is this something also something you no, just did always together? been like okay. that the ankle fake story is clear where does it come from Uh, we've talked to Anders about what it means globally. We've talked to you about what it means for Hanyo, the implementation, how it's coming, what it means to you personally. And I think that, I, you know, last week I read in the newspaper the official kickoff of uh, the Urban Zero project. Can you explain maybe first of all what Urban Zero is for those who don't know? And then uh, um, what, it, what it means to you and, and Ankofei in the, the next years for Hanyo? So one step uh, back, our first and foremost task, of course, is making Haniel ankle fake. And uh, when we started, we, we felt about a year ago that we're making good progress and we felt comfortable that now is the time to uh, let ankle fake grow up and let ankle fake leave Haniel and think about ankle fake beyond Haniel. Because my, my big dream, and I think we talked about it, I do want to read ankle fake in the US dictionary. Yes. Once we're there, I know we're, we're done, we made it. So hence, uh, the dream is uh, let Engelfei go beyond Haniel. And, and one of the areas we looked at is our location here. Uh, we've been here for 265 years. I'm very worried that we're living in a part of town uh, that's not developing in the right direction. And I'm very worried that in five or 10 years from now, we will have to put walls around our a nice little campus. So the task has always been, how can we engage ourselves stronger locally to make sure not only Haniel uh, prospers, but also the direct neighborhood. And we were kicking around a few ideas and ideally, of course, in connection with Engelfake. And as it always happens by chance, I met this uh, wonderful person, Dirk uh, Gratzel, 
who's developed a concept of environmental neutrality. So not climate neutrality, but environmental neutrality that goes way beyond. And it doesn't only take CO2 into account, it takes all the effect on the environment into account, for example, also the effect on biodiversity. Mm -hmm. And he's developed that concept locally. That was the important thing and the interesting thing. And he believes in, of course, analyzing, reducing, and then compensating those uh, effects and compensating it locally. And we talked about, wouldn't it be great if we could do that in a city? Because it's never been done. You read a lot of, about those projects, either on greenfield um, sites, or you read about it, CO2 reduction in existing cities, but nobody had ever developed a part of a city into environmentally neutral state. And we found that idea fascinating, and hence we just started. We looked at each other and said, can we do this? Why don't we give it a shot? And we assembled a team, uh, both of Haniel people and um, uh, people working with Dirk, that uh, got their heads around uh, this, and uh, that gained quite some momentum in a relatively short period of time with the city of Duisburg, with a lot of the companies uh, that are working in the area, a lot of the, the companies that work with the city of Duisburg. So now we kicked off officially the project of making Duisburg Road our home, make this environmentally neutral by 2029. So Ruot goes Engelfake, okay. and that's what Urban Zero is really all about. So fascinating project, um, one of its kind in the world. Duisburg Ruot is going to be the first city uh, that scientifically got uh, life cycle assessed, uh, and uh, hopefully we'll make it into the Guinness Book of <laughs> Record as, as such. But that's what it's all about, yeah. Uh. That's going to be the first step to the American Dictionary is the Guinness Book Indeed. of World Records. So, Indeed. Uh, well, good luck with that project. And, and uh, um, it's, it's an amazing uh, um, project and a huge uh, effort that's going to have to be made. I know uh, there's, uh, there's going to be a lot of interest in the world in what's going on here. Um, and I lived a long time in Duisburg. I also know <laughs> what an effort it's going to be. Yeah. Um, thanks for being here and thanks for telling us about Anquifei. Thank you for taking the time, Scott. Been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Have fun with your smart car. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I do already. <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening. In the next episode, we will be talking to Dr. Hannes Meckel, head of legal NGRC at Haniel, all about compliance, its different policy areas, and how compliance provides a necessary foundation for the way of doing business in the 21st century.